This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, president of coaching at All-Star Dental Academy, and I'm excited to interview our guests today. We're going to be talking with Alan and Adrian Twig of Ben Erickson on how to lead your teams and maintain a healthy culture. This is really a topic that clients are passionate about right now. And I thought who better to ask than these two. So let's give you some background. So Alan is vice president at Ben Erickson and Associates as a strong proponent of symbiotic employer employee relations. Alan is passionate about education, teamwork, positive work environments and culture. There's the word that we're looking for with an emphasis on long-term personal retention and employment compliance, where a solutions-oriented outlook excels. Prior to joining Ben Erickson and Associates, Alan had extensive experience in employee relations and personnel management with both small and medium-sized businesses. Alan has guided numerous clients and consultants through the challenging world of HR and employment compliance. With Ben Erickson and Associates, Alan's expertise extends to client consultation, strategic planning, marketing plan development, operational support, and product development. So the keywords I'm looking at there for those listening right now is two things, culture, emphasis on long-term personnel retention. That's that's what stands out to me. And of course, Adrian, who we've had on, this is her second uh, time being on the show with me. And so Adrian is co-owner of Bent Erickson and Associates and an HR compliance consultant, having both the experience of managing a large dental group practice with 35 team members for 17 years, and you still survived, <laughs> and working with dentists across the country Adrian brings a positive, proven approach to solving everyday employee-related challenges and strengthening the team. She has presented nationally on the topics of practice management, human resources, and employment compliance. So welcome to both of you. I've, I've really, we, we talked about this back in May, I believe. It's now July, and we were together, and I said, I got to get you guys back on the show so we can talk exactly about this. Dentists want to know. How, we're in the we're the great resignation. How do we keep our team members? How do we create a good culture? And so I'm so thankful that you guys decided to come on and have us just bless our listeners with some some good coaching advice on this topic of culture and team retention. So let's jump right in. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is great. Excited, excited. So when you think about dentists looking to us <laughs> and saying, well, why am I losing team members or where are they going? This, this great resignation thing and this culture, this, it's like this enigma. It's this, you can't grab it and touch it, right? It's like, how do I make that? And so I, I asked you, Adrian, I said, what, what sort of questions would you ask dentists or how would you present this to them? And you came back with me a question I loved. And you, you said, you said, well, would you work for you? <laughs> yeah. That's a, a great question. So expand on that. What, what did you mean by that? And, and how should we look at this from the dentist perspective? Yeah. Well, thanks again, Eric, for having us on to talk about this. Yeah. As you said, it is, it is the topic today. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan and I were having a conversation last week, I think about, you know, they, everybody's calling it the great resignation and, and all that. And um, I read an article a while back that said, maybe not the great resignation, maybe it's just the great reshuffling where employees are finding out that maybe there's another place for them where they will be appreciated, where they will be recognized for their contributions 
and they're not just punching a clock. So when I asked you that question, would you work for you? We have asked that question in seminars when we do them presentations that when we are in front of the room talking to dentists. And it's really fun to watch the faces of those dentists in the room because it is a for real question. Would you work for you? Are you the type of employer that you would want to be employed by? Meaning, you know, are you recognized for what you're doing on a day in and day out basis? Um, are they aware when the employees, the team members go above and beyond and are they being recognized for that? And I don't mean at the end of the day, you go, okay, guys, thanks. Great job. I mean, it's like saying, Eric, you know, you really dealt with Mrs. Smith today really well. She was really nervous and, and you just were right there with her and made her feel comfortable. Great job. Thank you. Or Alan, you know, when Mr. Jones came in with that problem, you were able to calm him down and just work with him to get a solution that worked. You know, you're recognizing them for actual things that they're doing. And that goes a long way with people. Just saying thank you for things specifically. People need that. You know, we get kind of beat up in the world today. So it doesn't take a lot for you to be able to express appreciation or gratitude to somebody and make them feel like, oh, you know, they do realize that I'm not just a warm body, that I am actually here. And, you know, I, I think that means a lot. And people across the country are finding they are retaining quality employees because they are being the kind of employer that people want to work for. So true. That's so good. Yeah. I, I've got clients who haven't had any turnover and Maybe that mm -hmm. underlying theme is there's a great sense of appreciation. And I, not even just from the doctor, I, I think sometimes it becomes a part of that culture that the doctor maybe initiates, but then it's infused, right? It does because it starts from the top down. And you may have team leads in an office that are trying to express that. But if it doesn't really start at the top, you know, it's going to be an uphill struggle, but it's possible. It is absolutely possible. And it generates good feelings throughout the practice, you know, between the doctor and the team, the team and their coworkers, and definitely the team and the patients. The patients realize that when they walk in the door. They're, they're picking up on the unspoken vibe of how good are you guys? There's, there's that proximity word that we, we, we just heard in another podcast about being in proximity of each other and having good mm -hmm. relationships that, that sends off that unspoken connection. So 100% agree. Alan, what about you? Uh, jump in here. Thoughts yeah, on this? yeah, my favorite term is, is the great rethink. You know, I, I really think that the, the pandemic was this incredibly unique opportunity for people to be at home, not working, not necessarily on vacation per se, because uh, it was certainly a tense time and there was a lot going on, but it was a time where people could really reassess and reevaluate what's important to them. They could look at their job, their family, their relationships, uh, and, and really assess what was important to them and what was not important to them. And we saw a wave of breakups and divorces. We saw a wave of marriages and births as a result of it. Uh, 
We saw people completely changing careers. We saw all kinds of changes as a result of this profound ability to rethink. I mean, you think about when you go on vacation and you're not working for some number of days or, or a week or two and, and how therapeutic that can be and it puts things in perspective and you think about, oh, you know what, I'm actually going to finally do that thing that I've wanted to do for a long time. And the pandemic was like that times, times 10. You know, people had months of time to do that kind of rethinking. And it absolutely pertains then to the job environment. And there were some of those people, like you just mentioned, who did that little think of, okay, where do I want to work? And what kind of environment do I want to be in? And is my current employer that fit? And they said, heck yes, my employer is awesome. And I want to stay there. And there were people who, when they said, okay, employees were coming back to work, they didn't have to fight their employees. Everyone just said, great, we'll see you on Monday. And then, of course, there were plenty of other offices that really struggled because their employees yeah. went, you know what? No, this isn't the type and kind of environment that I want to work in. Yeah. I don't want to work for you. Yeah. And again, some of those were, were valid reasons of, of health and safety or children or, or family members or high risk you know, relatives. But it, uh, it, it really was a, an amazing, I, I just think it's one of these things that for decades, you know, science, social scientists and others will look back on this as this profound watershed moment where so many people were able to uh, uh, realize what was important to them. 100% agree. 100% agree. Very well said. I love it. So immediately I'm thinking, okay, two things, and we're going to get to the second one in a moment, but how do you then create that culture that comes through appreciation? How do you appreciate these, um, how do you express appreciation to each individual, not even to your whole team, but to each individual. And so we'll, we'll keep the flow here. So Adrian, you, you, you start with us, then we'll hear what Alan, his, his piggyback to yours here. Yeah. Um, there is a book that has been out for a number of years by Gary Chapman and Paul White. And I'm sure a lot of, uh, listeners have read the, the five love languages. Well, you know, a number of years ago, they came out with the appreciation in the workplace, motivation by appreciation, based on the same premise that everybody has different languages that they express appreciation and that they receive appreciation. And for anybody out there that has not picked up this book, I would say immediately when you get off this podcast, go to Amazon or go to your local bookstore and get a copy of this book. It teaches you how to express appreciation to different personalities. Um, You know, we don't receive appreciation all the same, just like we don't express it the same. So understanding how your team members receive appreciation so that you can express it that way, whether it is gifts, and I'm not talking about expensive gifts. I'm talking about um, a cup of coffee or a copy of a magazine or bringing cookies into the office. I don't know what it is about the dental world, but we always like snacks and goodies. So, um, you know, just simple things like that. Acts of service, helping somebody. If you're walking by the front desk and the phone's ringing off the hook, maybe that's not in your job description, but 
pick up the phone, help that person that may be overwhelmed at the moment. So acts of service, there are, um, help me out here, Alan, uh, words of affirmation is another yeah. one. Yeah. Like, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, giving a genuine expression of gratitude. Thank you for doing something. Um, quality time. And when I say quality time, I'm not talking about sitting for 15, 20 minutes during the workday, uh, talking to somebody, but poking your head in the operatory and saying, hey, Sharon, how you doing today? You know, it's good to see you. Or just something quick like that, or, or shooting off an email saying, you know, hey, thanks for, for um, doing whatever. Uh, something quick, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but just a recognition and that you're spending that quality time. And then, of course, the, the fifth one is physical touch, which we won't really get into in the office place. That's, but, a, that's a HR nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, a high five or, a, you know, just a fist bump or something no like chest that. Bumps, so, no chest bumps, no chest bumps, just no, high no, fives. No, 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 just, just keep it there. Um, so, you know, things like that, those five forms of appreciation are huge. And Tim and I were talking the other day and July 4th, you know, we just recently had that. And I remembered with the practice that I managed, we every July 4th, and this is probably going to date me, but Old Navy would come out with a new T-shirt for July 4th. And every year we would buy, the office would buy a t-shirt for every team member. And on the day, the last day before July 4th that we worked, that was the day that everybody wore their t-shirts and everybody could wear jeans or khakis. Now this is, you know, several years ago, but the, the team loved that. And it was just like, okay, let's everybody have fun and let's relax. And they love the fact that the doctors spend money to buy the T-shirts, you know, and the T-shirt was probably $8. But it was just simple things like that to let everybody in on, hey, thank you for being here. We appreciate what you're doing. So it doesn't have to be a big deal. It just has to be intentional. So good. I didn't even know. So I've always worked off the five love languages and just translated it myself. I just looked it up. The five languages of appreciation in the workplace, empowering organizations by encouraging people by yeah. Gary Chapman. So yeah. love it. Had no idea. It's on my list now. I've already looked up the book summary. So glad you brought that up. And uh, it's the same. It's the same, you know, uh, five mm -hmm. words of mm -hmm. affirmation, quality time, acts of service, gifts, and touch. But yeah. how do you do those in the workplace? And I think what you pointed out was two things. One, it's a trickle down effect. Starts you set the tone as the leader. That's what makes you the leader. And, and so you have to lead by example, but two, everybody can be doing this. It doesn't have to just be the doctor and you got to uh, uh, spread the joy, spread the wealth. So yeah, absolutely. Alan, how about you? When you think of, Hey, I want to, I want to appreciate people at work. You know, how, how do you express, how do you think we ought to be expressing appreciation uh, for, for retention, for creating good culture, a positive environment. What, what do you, how do you see it? 
Well, yeah, like Adrian said, that book is is perfect for the dental profession because the reality is all of us, whether we're the dentist, office manager, team member, we're pulled in 20 different directions at once. We have so much on our plate. And what I love about that book is it's very short. It's very intuitive. It's very easy to understand. And it's full of practical, like on the ground tips. Um, one of the key things in the in their research is that uh, everyone is different. Like Adrian said, some people are more of a quality time person. Personally, I'm I'm a quality time person. Uh, I I love nothing more than just sitting down with people and having that uninterrupted focused time. Uh, I also know folks who are very gift oriented. And when we say gifts, it okay, perfect. <laughs> See, well, I, and- I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Well, and when we say gifts, it, it, it is so much more impactful when it's tailored to that particular person. So if you have that team member who you know they're super into the local uh, uh, college basketball team and you get them tickets to one of the basketball games, that is enormous. Uh, I recognize that some of us have larger teams. It's, it's hard to you know tailor gifts to individual people. Um, but the more that you can tailor that, the, the more impactful it is. It's, it's, it's huge. Um, on, the, uh, on the other ones, um, they, they did develop a, uh, a assessment. So you can actually do an assessment for your entire team and it'll tell you which uh, primary and secondary languages you have for your team members. It'll even tell you what what the book calls the dialect is. And here's an example of dialect. Let's say words of affirmation is somebody's uh, uh, primary language. There's kind of two ways to give words of affirmation. You can say, hey, Adrian, you, you crushed it today. And you can do that at the morning huddle in front of everyone. So it's a public display of words of affirmation. Another way to do that is to pull Adrian aside just one-on-one and say, hey, you really nailed it today with that patient. Um, that is an example of dialect. There are employees who actually prefer it one way over the other, yeah. and it can actually be detrimental That's if you right. do it the wrong way. If they're introverted um, and you do that in public, that's a no go. Yeah. yeah. They'll feel, Oh, why are you? Dr-? My wife would die if I threw a surprise birthday party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's also important to recognize that, that with the dialect and with the, the reality as of having a team, you're going to have people whose primary language is is probably one of those main four. Um, and so the reality is you're not going to be able to tailor your appreciation specifically to where you're only doing quality time or you're only doing acts of service. You're going to end up doing a, a variety of it all across the board, no matter what. Um, and so I think that yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's it's a great book. Everyone everyone can can get value from it. Um, and it's, it's really just about tailoring it to you, your team, your culture. Uh, I know some offices are, are more, more rigid and more, and more professional, and that's totally fine. And other offices have a more casual environment. And, and this applies to any practice, any type of culture. It's, it, it is just about creating that, that positivity feedback cycle that builds on itself. And like you guys both mentioned, it absolutely applies to the team as well. This is not something that's just from the dentist to the team. The team can do it with each other. The team can do it with the doctor. Um, I mean, 
that, that it's kind of a lonely, it's, it's a lonely job at the top being the doctor. You don't get appreciated very much. And so uh, uh, this kind of reciprocates both directions. So it's, it's, it's incredibly impactful. And it, uh, and it's, I mean, the, the book is super cheap and, and it's super easy to read and understand. So definitely get that. Love it. Love it. That's so good. Uh, so I heard it said like this, imagine you have someone on your team who speaks Spanish and you ask them to tell you they love you and they in Spanish or in another language that you don't speak German, whatever. And they speak it in that language. You know, I've heard people say me more, or you know, te quiero or whatever it is, you know, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't sound like you love me to me. And so that's, that's the, the myth that we're trying to express here, I think, is that you have to speak the same language so that they get the appreciation because that person could speak it in that language all day long and I would never get it. And so if I'm gifts and, and your quality time and I'm giving you gifts, you're like, oh yeah, something else is going to go to goodwill. You, I, you know, you do have a different perspective on, you know, what is this? You're trying to buy my love, Eric? <laughs> you know, I don't know how that, that goes for each person, but for me, I need to hear it in the way uh, I'm tuned in. And I think that's what, what the book makes so clear. I'm so glad you guys brought that up. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so now my favorite, my favorite question, Adrian, that you put out to me, I saved it best for last year. The second part of what we're talking about here is, hey, is your practice a place where you would love coming to work, where you really want to come to work? So shed some light on this. What did you mean by that? And do I really want, do I really love coming to work? What, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, I think um, if everyone were honest, there have always been times, maybe not in the current situation that you're in, but maybe in a past employment situation where you pull into the parking lot and you see that car, that car that is driven by that employee that gets on your nerves, that you just have a hard time uh, relating to. Um, so I think recognizing that there's always going to be some type of personality conflict on some type of level, because we're all individuals, we all have different feelings and, and that type of thing. But overall, generally, when you, you get up in the morning and you make your way into the office, it's not a matter of dreading to have to go in and sit all day long or to be running around the office doing whatever you have to do. But you realize that what you are doing is making a difference in somebody's life somewhere. And I think like Alan was talking about before, recognizing that, um, that we can contribute and we can make a difference. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I'm getting choked up. Alan, you're going to have to take it. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the thing that I just, um, that I really think about with this is to have folks really think about the amount of time and energy that is spent on the patient experience. You know, th think about how many hours are spent on the look and feel of the of the waiting room, the uh, the the flow, the the smiling face at the front desk, the the insurances that are accepted or not accepted, the payment options, all of these things that go into having the patients have a good experience, and 
and in a world of, uh, let's say you, you had a scarcity of patients, then those kind of things are absolutely critical. If you don't have those in place, you're not going to have good patients and it's, and it's, it, it's just not going to work. And I think it's important to compare the amount of time spent on that patient experience with the amount of time and energy that is spent on the employee experience. How much time is the practice really thinking about the, uh, the interview process, the onboarding process? What sort of training opportunities are there in this practice? What about the, um, the, the rest of the team? How do they respond when we hire a new person in? Uh, is it a welcoming, friendly environment, or is it kind of a sink or swim environment? And in in our world, we we have, we have two acronyms. There, there's there's the the classic one that everyone's heard of, the USP, the unique selling proposition. You know, why should a patient come to your practice versus the one down the street? In our world, we have the UEP, the unique employment proposition, which is why should a really awesome, really high quality, great attitude employee choose to work for your practice versus the one down the street? The reality is we are in an employee scarcity place right now. Um, I mean, All-Star has got a wonderful hiring service that is helping find good candidates and match people up. Um, but the bottom line is with all the factors that came in with the pandemic, we're in a, we're in a labor shortage right now, and it's probably not going to get better anytime soon. And so we need to do everything we possibly can as employers to make our office an environment that somebody genuinely wants to work in. And part of that is the appreciation stuff that we've already talked about. There's obviously a component that's about the wages and the benefits, which need to be competitive. But by, by no means do the wages and benefits need to be the absolute top end more than anything. Um, I heard it put beautifully a few weeks ago by Dan Clark. He said, if, if people come for money, they will leave for money. And so I don't want people to get, you know, lost down this thing of like, oh, I have to give the, the highest wages of anybody in my area. It's not about that, but it is about really being able to articulate to somebody, what is it that makes your practice different than everyone else? If you're sitting there in an interview and you've got this really amazing person there, can you, in a few sentences, give them some very clear examples of why your practice is the place to be. And it's also about recognizing that it may not be a fit. You know, if, if, if my practice culture is, is, let's say I'm a startup, and so I can't offer really high wages and lavish benefits, okay, but I can offer an environment where everything's new and dynamic, and, and each day there's going to be new challenges, and as a team, we're going to overcome those challenges and figure out new protocols. That's kind of cool and exciting for the right type of person. Um, if I'm a more established practice, well, then I can say, well, we're committed to ongoing continuing education. And at our practice, we invest in our employees. And this is not just a job. We really want to see you grow and mature as an employee. Maybe that's part of your UEP for your office. So it's, it's unique for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's just about going through that that really that mental work as an employer and really going okay yeah what what is unique about my practice how am i different than the guy down the street so good I, you know obviously working with 
all the clients we see and work with them, we see the differences. We get to know them well enough where we can identify differences. And it's, in fact, I just did a social media post. It's like, you're not growing as a leader if you're not vulnerable and, and yeah. willing to hear the feedback. And your, your team is waiting for you to give them permission to give you feedback. Otherwise, they're afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not going to be honest with you unless you tell them to be honest with you about how you are as a leader and what sort of culture you're creating. And I, I think you struck a chord for me when you said, was it, I got to go back to it here. If they come to you for the money, they'll leave for the money. I yeah. say, I say, if they married you for the money, uh, when the money's gone, uh, the marriage is gone. You know, that's, so we're, we're on the same page, Alan. I, I completely agree with you. And I, I think people, when you look at the loyalty surveys over the years, and you guys need to update me on this, I've seen it's been appreciation, number one, family values, number two. Uh, growth opportunities, number three, and then wages, number four. And that's been like, maybe we call it uh, BC before COVID. Uh, <laughs> now it seems like that wages thing is creeping up that line. So where are you guys seeing that in the loyalty surveys? What, what have you seen? Well, yeah, I think more so we've seen the wages piece come into play in the practices that probably should have updated their wages and their pay ranges a long time ago. Okay. Um, it, you know, if, if you were kind of skating by on the lower end of it, then you're not able to skate by on it anymore. And, mm-hmm. and if people are leaving you, they are going to say, well, yeah, it's because I can get paid more somewhere else. Yeah. Those practices though, that we've talked about where they didn't have employ or they didn't have a problem with employees coming back. Um, I think they were paying competitive wages to begin with. And I also think that that strong culture of appreciation and team and family that existed BC before COVID and the, the practices, I think, kind of doubled down on that going forward. And so, yeah, you're right that, um, you know, feeling valued and appreciated is a big part of it. People also want to make a meaningful contribution. You know, it doesn't matter what what position you are, even if you're just a billing coordinator, or a front desk person, you still want to make a difference. You want to do a good job. And I think it's so important for folks to remember that the vast, vast, vast majority of employees out there genuinely want to do a good job. They want to provide for their families. They want to do good work and serve others and feel good uh, when they go home. And that's so important to keep in mind as we're thinking about employees. Um, you know, as we all know, negative uh, experiences and negative feedback carry so much more weight than positive experiences do. And it's so easy as employers, I think, to to fall into this trap of, well, three years ago, you know, Becky did something that I didn't like. And, you know, now I'm going to treat everyone a little bit less because I'm worried they're going to do what Becky did. And, and I totally get that. We've all been burned. We've been burned in relationships. We've been burned professionally. Um, but as a leader, it is just so critical to, to really work through that um, and get yourself back to that place where you really see people as a resource who want to do a good job and are here to support your business. And in turn, your business is supporting them and their goals and their uh, drive to provide for their families. And it, it just, it just, uh, now I'm back to the beginning. It just creates that symbiotic, circle. positive relationship. It's a circle. Yeah. yeah. The circle of life. And I completely agree. So you've actually reminded me of a, a text I got today from a client. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. You're in my seat now. Here we go. But I want your perspective on this. 
Doctor has three locations, shows up at uh, location number two, associate work there. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And team members work in all locations, one big team. And she starts looking around and things are messy. They're not valuing the physical space. It doesn't, the culture doesn't look the same as in other locations, not the high standard they expect. So she sends me pictures of this and says, Hey, what would you do? And I, I said, look, it's, it's lack of ownership on the employee's part, of course, but why isn't the associate also creating some accountability there? So I'm gonna put you guys on the spot here and say, okay, appreciation's good, but when things aren't appreciable, I don't even make up a word here. Uh, you know, if you can't appreciate for the job that is being done, how do you deal with that in the culture? So either of you that want to take that on, what would you, how would you coach there? Sure. Well, I think first of all, uh, it goes back to the doctor. It goes back to the head person in charge. Um, I, I have a mantra that I, I talk about a lot when I do presentations, and that is what you ex what you accept, you teach. So by the fact that that doctor was allowing chaos, organized or disorganized to go along, um, he or she was accepting whatever the team members were putting forth. So at that point, I think it becomes a time that there's gotta be some communication done between the doctor that's the lead in that location and, and the team members and to let them know that, okay, this isn't good. This is not acceptable. What do we need to do to tighten things up? Do you guys need more training? Do we need to build in some time here to do certain things? But first of all, have that communication, the back and forth, have the doctor bring it up that this is happening. I've noticed it. I'm aware of this. What do we need to do to correct it? Because this isn't meeting our standards. It's not the type of care and the type of reflection on our practice that we want. So you have to talk about it. And that, I think in the long run, employees and team members appreciate the fact that they are asked for their input and they are asked for their feedback and, okay, how do we solve this? This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm experiencing. You tell me your side. Let's talk about it and, and work it out. Alan. Yeah, yeah. I would just chime in and say, you know, I think there's an element about uh, what are the basic expectations and were those basic expectations communicated? So did they have a, uh, an employee handbook or a policy manual that, that said that the office needs to be kept neat and tidy at all times? And did the employees read that and sign off on it? Uh, what is the understanding and expectation at this practice about who is sort of the on-site manager when that owner doctor is not there? Is it the associate that is in charge? Is there uh, some sort of team lead or local manager? And it, it, there doesn't necessarily have to be a figurehead. I think you can absolutely have a kind of a flat hierarchy that says, hey, this is everyone's job. It's not, it's not one person's job to police the others, and it's not uh, a particular person's job to clean up after everyone else. Um, as Adrian said, I think employees absolutely appreciate that because the thing to keep in mind is that it may not be every single employee that was creating the mess. It may only be one or two employees. And there may be some employees who work there who really do make a genuine effort to clean up and have everything look tidy. Maybe those employees have been cleaning up after these other employees this whole time, and they're starting to get disgruntled. 
And so, yeah, if you sweep that under the rug, ignore it, don't address it, then you're probably going to be losing your good employees because they're going to say, well, why should I work so hard when these other people are just skating by? So ideally, you would have that foundation in your handbook or policy manual or somewhere that outlines what the expectations are. Um, Sitting everyone down, reiterating, these are our standards, and this is what I expect. Uh, And then... The other piece too that I always emphasize, and this is a hard one, especially when it comes to people, you know, having their cell phones out when they're supposed to be working or something, is the the doctor has got to be prepared to go all the way to potentially terminating one or more people over something like this. Um, it, it would sure be a shame to have to fire someone over a mess in the office. Uh, But the reality is if you're not prepared to truly hold people accountable, it's never going to change. And like Adrian said, if you, you, you know, you can, you can stomp your feet and yell and, and, and bring it up in meetings and all that. But if you ultimately are still accepting it, then it's going to keep happening forever. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This is multi-level ownership issue, you know, ownership, meaning I own my job. I own this because it's like the associate is, like you said, that lead figurehead and mm-hmm. he or she's not seeing it, just mm-hmm. oblivious to it. Therefore, it's acceptable, right? Like you said, it's, it's acceptable for the employee to then live that way. You know, if mm-hmm. I don't ask my daughter to make her bed every day, it's going to be acceptable to do that. So mm-hmm. there's got to be some interesting dynamics discussed here because why didn't the associate why isn't, why isn't he or she aware of that? And why isn't that being discussed, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So I think some of that goes back, like I said, to the lead person, you know, and, and if they didn't see it, then the other doctor owner, whoever is above them, that would be the chance for them to step in and have a conversation with that associate as well. Yeah, there's going to be two parts here. There's going to be two parts. Mm-hmm. We have a, a doctor leadership meeting tomorrow, in fact, and then it'll be, and how is the associate going to bring this to the team? So that's going to be the conversation. So I'm glad we're, we're really seeing this uh, in the same way. It makes me feel like, oh, hey, good. I'm on the right page here with the experts. This is awesome. Oh, you definitely are. Yes. You Love definitely it. are. Love it. Yeah. Is there anything else you feel like, put yourself in the perspective of a doctor or maybe an office manager listening to this recording, watching this on YouTube, anything you would say to put the icing on top of the cake here and say, you know, great culture comes from. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, I'll just add and just say, you know, I, I, I'm sure that some people listening to this or viewing this would, would say, you know, oh, great, this is yet another thing that's got to go on my plate, you know, and my, and my task list is super full. And, and I totally get that. I mean, I, I think all of us are, are running a little ragged. And what, what I would just say is recognize that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And when we're talking about culture, culture is an all day, every day kind of a thing. Um, I, I believe that one, one way that I define culture is that it is essentially a, a gigantic average of every single experience and every single interaction that every employee and every owner and every dentist has all day, every day. Um, and and so some days you're going to do great. Some days you may, you know, you may falter a little bit. That's all okay. And it's just about having this be little, little adjustments and little effort put in over time. 
Um, and you know, there's tons of analogies you can have, you know, it's just like working out, you know, it's just about showing up and putting in the hours and it's not about going super big or super hard, you know, in one go around, uh, this is, this is something that you will want to incorporate into just the everyday running of the practice every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> and if you do, it'll start to build and you'll get that, that positive feedback on itself. And like Adrian said, you pull into the parking lot and you'll actually enjoy coming into work it's because feeling, it's, right? it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. You have feeling that responds. And, and that's why I love that question. You know, Hey, have, have your employees write a letter to you that says, I would love coming. What would make me love coming to work and write that love letter and just give that to the doctor and have the doctor be, I mean, vulnerable in receiving that and say, okay, here's what has to happen. I think that the personality of the doctor and the team is reflected in the culture. You know, some office I go into, it's a library and nobody's really talking too much. And it's doctor doesn't like loud noises. Other offices I go to, they're laughing, they're having a good time. They're organically creating re referrals and reviews and people enjoy coming to that practice, that location. And so the feeling of joy, how do you create that for your team? And I, I, I love the way you guys are, are putting this together. So Adrian, anything you want to add to this? Any ice on the cake? Well, I just, um, we are, we are hosting a, uh, HR conference in October. And it just reminded me of that when you talked about the feeling of joy, a couple of the presenters are going to be speaking on how to have a joyful team, how to have a joyful practice. And I know when I managed the, the practice, we did have 35 team members and we never went throughout a day, but what you didn't hear from one end or the other of the building, people laughing and just enjoying being at a dentist's office of all places, but it is possible to do it. And I think sometimes we just need to step back, take a deep breath, you know, give ourselves some credit for we're trying to do it. Yeah. Shake off whatever happened yesterday and just determine that today's going to be a good day because dentistry is one of the best professions out there. And um, it's a great place to cultivate a joyful place to work in a joyful environment. So that's what we would love to see. Yeah, I, I will say this. Go look up what the law of attraction is. Yeah. Dig deeper into that. Look at things like the law of the lid when it comes to leadership. Where, where are your limits? Um, get with a Good coach. John somehow. Maxwell. Yeah, John Maxwell's amazing. Um, law of the lid. Uh, yeah. Also look at his law of the rubber band. You're only good if you're stretching, right? You're only really purposeful. You're only really growing if you're stretching. So there's lots of good yeah. things out there on this that you can dive into some more. Thank you guys so much for being willing to come on here and support those that are listening. And if you are listening, what I would say is make this action, put this into, into act for you. Maybe it's, you're not the doctor, but you need to start this conversation, share this podcast uh, with people that, you know, could benefit from listening to this. And I will also say that if you've listened to this, this far, you're on your way. <laughs> if you've gotten to this and you're willing to do this, you're willing with, you're, you're ready to go. I think that's awesome. Now it's just about being on purpose about it. So thanks again, you guys for joining uh, me and the all-star uh, podcast. So, and those listening, thank you for joining us and just taking the time to invest in yourself. 
And so if you need anything from us at All-Star, just email Heather. She's Heather at allstardentalacademy.com, Heather Nottingham, and she'll be happy to help you out with anything you need. We're here to help. So until next time, go out there and be an All-Star. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com. 